It's the night of Thursday, December 9th, 1965. And if you're a kid, I have good news and bad news for you. First, the bad news. The Munsters will not be seen tonight. Now, the good news. Instead of the Munsters, there's an animated holiday special. The verdict at CBS is mixed. Some executives think it's too slow, too moody, too sophisticated for kids. It needs a laugh track, some of them say. And the voices of the kids are provided by real kids. The soundtrack is jazz music. And then two-thirds of the way through, everything comes to a stop so a kid can recite Bible verses. I mean, come on, that kind of thing just isn't done on network TV. But the man behind the show, Charles Schultz, creator of the Peanuts comic strip, won't have it any other way. And so, in this time slot, right before Gilligan's Island, a Charlie Brown Christmas airs for the very first time. I'm starting to think that maybe we should do a potluck thing. Potluck, potluck. The potluck is going really great. A potluck. Seriously. Seriously. This is the Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck. My name's David Inman. Welcome to the Potluck. For the last 53 years, each holiday season has brought at least one showing of A Charlie Brown Christmas. The show won an Emmy Award and a Peabody Award, and the show's soundtrack by jazz pianist Vince Guaraldi has become as much a part of how we musically celebrate the season as Silent Night and Joy to the World. The show itself has been turned into a play that seemingly every children's theater in the world does every holiday season. And although original Peanuts comic strips disappeared from the newspaper pages years ago, kids still know who Charlie Brown is. A Charlie Brown Christmas wasn't intentionally created to be timeless, but timeless it is. It's a perfect, simple blending of music, words, and images that clearly conveys one man's vision and philosophy, Charles Schultz, who drew the Peanuts comic strip from 1950 until his death in 2000. Schultz was an introvert plagued by depression and self-doubt, he grew up in a home where emotion was avoided wherever possible. He was precociously smart, so he jumped ahead in school, always the smallest kid in class and subject to bullying. In Peanuts, Schultz created a world inhabited by kids, kids with big heads and big vocabularies and big dreams, which were often dashed in preparation for adulthood. All the loves in the strip, Schultz once said, are unrequited. All the baseball games are lost. All the test scores are D minuses. The great pumpkin never comes, and the football is always pulled away. Schultz was a very spiritual person and a Sunday school teacher. He wanted the show to be a parable about commercialism and the importance of the true meaning of Christmas. But he was not an evangelical Christian by any means. 
And as if to demonstrate that, he marked a particular passage of a John Updike story as having great meaning for him. Here it is. He was not, as he understood the term, religious. Ceremony bored him. Closing his eyes to pray made him dizzy. He distinctly heard in the devotional service the overamplified tone of the voice that in business would signal either ignorance or dishonesty. Charles Schultz himself would later say, I'm fearful of an overly organized church, and I am very fearful of a church that equates itself with Americanism. It's a frightening trend. People who regard Christianity and Americanism as the same thing. Schultz was also fiercely protective of the characters he'd created, and he was wary of television. The lone exception was allowing the Ford Motor Company to use animated Peanuts characters in TV commercials in the late 1950s. Those TV spots were created by a former Disney animator named Bill Melendez, who was able to transfer Schultz's minimal style to cartoon form. It was simple, spare animation, far removed from the lush drawings and details of a Disney movie. By the mid-1960s, Peanuts wasn't just a comic strip. It was an ingrained part of popular culture. In 1964, a book called The Gospel According to Peanuts became a bestseller, and Schultz and the Peanuts characters appeared on the cover of Time magazine in April 1965. That cover caught the attention of executives at McCann Erickson, the ad agency that represented Coca-Cola. At that time, Coke was in a pitched battle with Pepsi-Cola for soft drink supremacy, and Coke was looking for a high-profile TV special to air in December. Just after the magazine appeared, John Allen of McCann Erickson called Lee Mendelson, who worked with Schultz, and the men made a deal. Then Mendelssohn called Schultz and told him he'd just sold a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charles Schultz said, what's that? Mendelssohn said, it's something you're going to write tomorrow. Mendelssohn, Schultz, and Bill Melendez got together over the Memorial Day weekend to begin hashing out ideas. Schultz recalled that when the holiday was known as Remembrance Day, created to honor the nation's war dead, now it was better known as the kickoff to summer. To Schultz, there was a parallel there to Christmas. Then Mendelssohn talked about a story he just read by Hans Christian Andersen called The Fir Tree. It was an ugly duckling-like tale about a small tree that felt unimportant compared to the larger trees in the forest until it's decorated with ornaments for Christmas. Now, it's true that Anderson's story ends with the tree ultimately burned as firewood, but there was still an idea there to work with. An outline was sent to McCann Erickson, the concept was okayed, and the men went to work. They only had about six months to deliver a show to CBS. The center of A Charlie Brown Christmas is, of course, Charlie Brown. He's ambivalent as the holiday draws near. He just isn't feeling the spirit of Christmas, and it doesn't help that all of his friends seem to be more interested in what presents they'll get. Even his dog, Snoopy, is ostentatiously decorating his house with lights and tinsel in order to win a contest prize. Charlie Brown pays Lucy a nickel for psychiatric advice, 
and she suggests that he get involved in staging the kids' Christmas pageant. But it ends up as a free-for-all, with everyone more interested in dancing to the jazz music provided by Schroeder on the piano and Snoopy on upright bass. Once the script and musical score came together, an executive from McCann Erickson paid a visit to see how things were going. His name was Neil Reagan. You might have heard of his younger brother, Ronald. Neil Reagan was less than impressed with what he saw. The script was unimpressive, as were the black and white sketches he saw, and the jazz score seemed too downbeat. But he was impressed with the talent behind the project, and he gave them the benefit of the doubt that things would come together into something to be proud of. Schultz, Mendelssohn, and Melendez knew they were under the gun. Mendelssohn was especially concerned about the bittersweet music that opened the show, where Charlie Brown first discusses his holiday angst. It needed something, and then Mendelssohn figured it out. He sat down and wrote the lyrics to Christmas Time is Here on an envelope, and then recorded them with a children's choir from a local Episcopal church. The kids were paid with ice cream and a fee of $5 apiece. Mendelssohn still had his doubts. He suggested that maybe the show needed a laugh track. Charles Schultz responded to that by standing up and walking out of the room. Schultz announced that he wanted Linus to recite from the Gospel of Luke, and now it was animator Melendez's turn to object. And when he did, Schultz turned to him and said simply, If we don't do it, who will? I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. About a week before the airing, Mendelssohn took a print to New York to show to CBS executives, whose reactions were tepid at best. There was talk of scrapping the show, but it was too late. Coca-Cola had already spent thousands of dollars promoting it, including a large national ad and TV guide. The worst that could happen was that the show would run once and then be forgotten. But instead, as McCann Erickson executive John Allen later said, all heaven broke loose. The show was a ratings hit and was hailed in pulpits across the country. Coca-Cola rushed back to Charles Schultz for more specials. In all, the team of Schultz, Mendelssohn, and Melendez would make over 45 of them, as well as several feature films. As for Neil Reagan of McCann Erickson, he went on to manage his brother's gubernatorial campaign. And the week after a Charlie Brown Christmas, the Munsters were back in their regular time slot, but something was different holiday television would never be the same. At Emmy Award time, a Charlie Brown Christmas won for Best Children's Program. All three men attended the ceremony, but when it came time to accept the award, Schultz wanted to stay in his seat. Mendelssohn and Melendez went on stage, and from the podium, the two men introduced Schultz and coaxed him into joining them on stage. He took the award and stepped up to the microphone. Charlie Brown is not used to winning, he said. So we thank you. My name's David Inman. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.